0: Bring in show music, please.
1: This is SquawkPod and I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. On today's episode, investors and our anchors digest another Fed decision and another slew of company earnings. From Meta to our parent company, Comcast.
2: A political view. It's apolitical it has nothing to do with who we work for
1: toy company Mattel reporting a quarterly profit, CEO Enon cries on the results and on reviving Barbie's branding.
3: From the very beginning, this was never just about making a movie. This was about creating a cultural phenomenon.
1: Plus a bipartisan effort to ban congressional stock trades. The duo pushing it forward, Republican Senator Josh Hawley.
4: If you ask people, do they think that members of Congress ought to be able to trade individual stock, they say overwhelmingly no, and most are shocked to learn that it's legal. And
1: Democrat Senator Kirsten Gillibrand.
5: No one should be coming to Congress to make money off the non-public information that they're getting. That is not what we are here for. We're here to serve the public. We're here to help people. It's July 27th, 2023.
1: It's Thursday. It's
5: Friday.
1: Almost. Squawk Pod
6: begins right now.
0: Stand Becky by in 3, 2, 1. Cue please.
6: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Welcome back, Andrew. Back from LA. You gotta be tired.
0: I am. A little bit. I am a little bit. But,
2: <laughs> I I
6: was little bit, about later, your you know, and I'm worrying. I got good. my
2: coffee here. Was from
0: you need a second.
2: All that, you know, you and Kevin, right? So all the, uh, must be I'm relaxed. exhausted. Kevin <laughs> very relaxed. Yes. Yeah, you're very low key. Yeah. Well, that's good, yeah. right? Pretty good, bud. Good
6: easy morning. <laughs> Let's take a look at what's been happening
1: with the USA. First up today, a big decision from the Federal Reserve. The central bank announced another rate hike. That's 25 more basis points. It's the 11th hike since the tightening cycle began 16 months ago.
2: Our eyes are telling us is that policy has not been restrictive, restrictive enough for long enough to have its full desired effects. So we intend again to keep policy restrictive until we're confident that inflation is coming down sustainably toward our 2% target, and we're prepared to further tighten if that is appropriate. And we think the process, you know, still probably has a, a long way to go.
1: Chairman Jay Powell, as you just heard, left the door open for more hikes, but it's not a given. Other news for investors to digest, earnings. The report season is in full swing. Meta, Comcast, and Chipotle are out with their results, as you'll hear. Also McDonald's, which topped Wall Street's expectations, thanks to Grimace and his birthday meal. And, of course, to TikTok, which sent the purple milkshake viral. Let's get back to Joe, Becky, and Andrew, who break down the numbers, including earnings before interest taxes, depreciation and amortization, or EBITDA.
2: We got a lot going on, a whole bunch of earnings reports. First thing to do when Comcast reports is to look at what's happening with the stock. Uh, So let's take a quick look. Comcast just out with quarterly results. Uh, The company reported $1.13 a share versus a $0.97 estimate and revenue was 30.5 billion dollars that was up 1.7 percent uh year over year however with with a company like comcast multifaceted although there's kind of a new structure uh andrew that uh, that we were just it's really the talk-
0: reporting uh, the, the reports now in in three Two.
2: effectively groups well connectivity and platforms right and content and experience um f- the the when you look at it, though, and people hate to hear about EBITDA and EBITDA and free, FCF, free cash flow, in this case, maybe the most important metric is adjusted quarterly EBITDA. And in this case, for the first time in history, the company was able to, to exceed $10 billion of adjusted EBITDA. That was up 4.2%, and that is uh, a record uh, for Comcast uh, for uh, uh, for that, and then also here we go: connectivity and platform revenues. Which right. do you like better, the content and experience, or the connectivity and platform? It, it, it does make sense. There are two overriding themes that the company operates.
0: It makes in, sense. You've got
6: to get your head around it. It's a you change. You do.
0: It's just a shift for the w- for the way yeah. the the numbers are reported, which makes it probably a little bit harder for
2: some of the folks who are going through those numbers right now. The Peacock stuff you know streaming is so such a daunting thing to try to do i read it mean it looks good i read it in it and it and it looks good in terms of of the revenue the company was able to post from peacock and the number of people that uh that added peacock and i i need it because there's things uh, there's things on and and i don't mind the i like ads once you see andrew
6: peacock paid subscribers right. now 24 million that nearly doubled year over year yeah um, revenue up 85 percent to breaking out a number 820 million dollars. The other bright spot we always talk about, though, theme parks, and that was big too. Big, park yeah. revenue that's a pandemic. up 22.4
2: percent. Yeah,
6: Adjusted EBITDA, the theme parks up 31.8 percent.
2: I wonder if
6: and now the stock is up by 2.1 percent.
2: I, I, it's too early to say that the Universal theme parks are getting any of the business. Disney theme parks are, are, are not getting. Because but what I was going say, the, cra- the parks are crowded. <laughs> parks are crowded. Yeah, but. You know, a commercial break every once in a while, you'll see as you get a little bit older. You, you, oh, you, you want you the can, commercial break. I'll well, you can do it to, to accomplish n- necessary uh, maintenance, uh, mm. if you will.
0: I've been enjoying. Does any, uh, any of you guys have YouTube TV now as a key? I know you guys are in a Comcast territory, yeah. so you never but, would. But no, I'm in a New, I'm in New York City, and I've moved to YouTube TV as my platform for watching television over the broadband connection, which is provided, I believe, by... Spectrum, uh, fortunately or unfortunately. Anyway, all I was going to go with is now they actually have these YouTube TV ads which say, here's a moment of zen. You literally just... for th- There's
6: your bathroom break. For 30, bathroom. for
0: 30 seconds, they
2: show you like tr- trees in a forest. When I go to a place
6: where I, where I stay
2: river. In, in, in Georgia, it used to be TV. And I was lost. I would, I, there were a thousand. I couldn't find anything. How do you get the local... They switched to Xfinity, and it was like I, I went up and I. So I'm not I'm not a homer. I'm not trying to. It's a great Comcast, product. I wish I, I could have the product. I my Xfinity and my the nice. Have you seen the remote controls? They're made out of the. Made out of loves. It's so, true. Like, so, okay.
0: Every, no. Everybody loves the
2: service. Yeah. The the actual app. And that's a totally just non biased opinion. Everybody loves. A political it. view. A political has nothing to do with who we work for. Chipotle shares, uh, unfortunately, they're
0: tumbling. The restaurant chain reported earnings of $12.65 per share. It beat estimates of 12.31, but revenue fell short of expectations. Higher prices for tortillas, dairy, beef, and other ingredients. used to be the avocados were the issue. Put some uh, pressure on profits, although avocado prices were down from the same quarter a year ago. Last quarter, Chipotle said it was done raising menu prices, but now the company's CEO, uh, sounded open to the possibility of more increases. Here's what he said to Jim Cramer on Mad Money.
2: We've got tremendous pricing power so that if we need to pull that, we can pull that lever. Uh, but, you know, we've always said we'd rather kind of not be in front of where things are, but rather make sure we understand where inflation is and then adjust accordingly.
0: Chipotle, same source sales grew by 7.4%. That's just shy of analyst estimates. Even with today's decline, the stock is up so the context here, it's more than up more than 35% year-to-date.
6: EU antitrust regulators have opened an investigation into Microsoft. At issue, the company bundling its chat and video apps teams with its office products. The EU says that Microsoft may be abusing and defending its market position in productivity software, Awfully reminiscent of what we used to see with the original uh, antitrust lawsuits that went after Microsoft in this country, going after them for having their browser wrapped up in their Microsoft office bit, too. And that was the big fight. Um, Right now, you can see Microsoft shares up by about $2.50. Stock's been on a tear this year, up by 42 percent. But these activities coming from regulators after Big Tuck have been frequent, and we are still anticipating that the U.S. could file against Amazon as early as next week.
2: Yeah, and the stock got hurt Hit yesterday, yesterday. Yeah. badly, so yeah. uh, hard to say anything about the, the little bounce today. But this bounce, Meta shares uh, mm. are on the rise after a strong quarterly report. Look at that, $25, bucks, about 8.5% optimistic guidance, uh, digital advertising rebounding uh, to some extent after uh, a recent slowdown. Remember, you could have bought that stock for 80 and change not that long ago
6: and a CEO Mark Zuckerberg touted the launch of Instagram threads as an area for excitement as competition with a Elon Musk's Twitter or X platform undergoes a major rebrand
4: on threads uh, briefly I'm quite optimistic about our trajectory here uh, we saw unprecedented growth out of the gate and, and more importantly we're seeing more people coming back daily uh, than I'd expected and now uh, we're focused on retention and improving the basics, and then after that, we'll focus on growing the community to the scale that we think is going to be possible. Only after that are we going to focus on monetization.
2: It's Thursday. hmm Just saying. Best Thanks.
6: hour of the day of the week. You're saying. Well,
2: it's just we got one more hour today, the and then tomorrow's Friday. So that's how, I'm not. You know, it's Friday. No, Almost. Not really saying anything other than it's you know, the Dow's on a 13-session uh, winning streak. Uh, back to three Mondays ago. That's the longest streak. I hate saying this. Um, that I don't. Because like, you think you're going to jinx it? I don't like saying 1987. I see. Why? Because, because, because of, I have horrible memories about uh, oh, 1987. Monday, yeah, okay. I remember every detail. The Germans wore gray. You wore blue. I don't know if you recall that. Uh, longest streak since nineteen eighty Casablanca, oh. uh, <laughs> when a gallon of gas cost 90 cents and Beverly Hills Cop 2 ruled the box office. A winning day today would met that was a great line. You got to admit uh, But listen to this. This is an amazing story. Longest streak, if it do it today, since not 1987, we're going to do some kind of weird am- anagram. 1897. That's 125 confusing. 125 years. 125 years.
6: If they go one more time, which tells you how infrequently this happens.
2: Exactly. Where was Google? Hold your breath, man. Where was Google trading then?
6: <laughs> a little lower than it is, is uh, today. Lo- yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. They were 1897.
6: Reports. What stocks were trading then?
2: Railroads, maybe. Was, was GE? I don't know. Probably, yeah. maybe. What, 18. Well, I skipped history. I don't Horses. know. I'm gonna go back and look at. She let me say, look at. Let me look at what we're up. We're up, up almost 100 points. It's gonna be. Is it? Can the net? Could the Dow really close down with the Nasdaq up 200? I don't know. It's possible. But, Crazy things are happened. Yeah. Up. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm looking up Dow components from 1897. 1897. There was no Dow. When was Charlie Dow in the 19th century, I guess?
6: choose 12 companies. Should we, should we get 1896 it? was when the Wall Street Journal was the first, the Dow was first created in 1896, 1896. So there 96. were original there components. Allied Allied chemical, American can, American smelting, American sugar, American tobacco, Atlantic refining, Bethlehem Steel, Chrysler. Bessie. oh my yeah. god, Chrysler? General Electric, General Motors was there. GM. Uh, General Railway, Goodrich, International Harvester, International Nickel, Mack Truck was there. No way. Nash Motors, North American, Paramount Publix, not the movie right. company. Post, I mean, we've um, got to figure
2: out what was trading Postum in 1896. The stock Sears market was, was trading. Sears Standard Oil. Sears. Yeah. I think that's U.S. Steel, right.
6: Union Carbide, Woolworth. Wow. Westingham, uh, history lesson for you.
2: Yeah.
0: Cheese will be next.
1: Next on Squawk Pod, fresh off its blockbuster success, Mattel's CEO, Enon, cries on Barbie's marketing magic.
3: The collaboration with Warner Brothers has been phenomenal. Together, we created something very special, a cultural phenomenon. This was not just about marketing a movie. This is a cultural phenomenon.
1: You're listening to Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross-Sorkin.
6: Here's Becky. Shares of Mattel are slightly lower. The company reported adjusted earnings of $0.10 a share. Analysts expected a per share loss of $0.02. Revenue also beat expectations. Yesterday, Mattel confirmed rumors that the COO, Richard Dixon, was leaving the company to become the CEO of Retailer Gap. Uh, Dixon was responsible for the refresh of the Barbie brand twice (laughs) during his time there pretty important. Uh, we're going to be talking to Mattel's CEO, Enon Kreis. We'll talk to him about not just the Barbie movie in Hollywood, but all the plans that Kreis has been putting in place for years now to really embrace Hollywood. I think they have 14 movies in production, 14 films in production, with some of their toys and different brands. And we'll talk to him about how that's going to pay off. It doesn't pay off immediately with the Barbie, though. There is expected to be a big halo effect, but they, are, they still have to make sure that they are selling toys because that's the big way that they make their money on all of these things, and toys sales have been down uh, post-pandemic. So we'll talk about all of those things. Hard to, he, yeah. Physical toys
2: in this world, with with uh, you know everything Games. you can do on electronic. But normally you you have a uh, you know a product, and then you can make a movie about the product. It's weird to have this movie could totally go back in re-energize barbie sex because barbie's a whole new person now she's totally different i think
0: i mean the weird thing to. is
6: it's a pg-13 movie and yeah. so it's really been marketed at, at right. older women but apparently not, people but, are bringing
0: their their younger kids
6: yeah
2: I see. it's happening you know i i am around amc a little bit now yep. because i i have someone that, that i love that, that is there um working. so I'm, I'm there a lot there are groups of ten girls. They all look like Barbie. That are going at the same time to yeah. the Barbie movie. This is a phenomenon. This is a phenomenon. This is a phenomenon.
6: Yeah. yeah. Oh, the, the thing that shocked me about Mattel, though, I didn't realize right. they had fourteen different movies that were in production, that were working, or fourteen right. movies in, in the development. Pipe. I don't know where. where right. I think we don't know, know if develop. they're really
0: going to get made. That's... But
6: stuff like I was trying to figure out all the brands Matchbox or. Was right. it? Hot Wheels, Hot Wheels, Hot Wheels, is, Hot one Wheels is one of them. But trying to go through and figure out all the brands, well, they're I don't trying even to turn themselves.
0: That was I don't know if you remember many years Ena, ago.
6: Enoch has been doing this it, for a this while. Is, this
0: is what their whole approach. Yeah, it took and, a long time. It took a long time though for them to get Barbie. I mean, for this Barbie, this yeah. Barbie film was in the works for Amazing. many, many years. They had to do it right. Yeah, it was Yeah, you had And they went back and forth and back and forth. So the question is, of these fourteen films. How long, does it take to, it? Right. how long does it take to get there and then do all of them, can, can each of them turn into a phenomenon like this? That's... I don't know.
6: But it, but it has been an amazing turn for this company right. to see what they have done over time. We want to bring in Mattel's chairman and CEO, Enon cries. And Enon, uh, the phenomenon that is this movie has been huge. You see it everywhere. Uh, you go to the movie theater, you see it out, you see the marketing campaign for it. When does that really play out into your earnings, just in terms of toy purchases or things that it can really mean for your company?
3: Uh, hi, Becky. Well, from the very beginning, this was never about just about making a movie. This was about creating a cultural phenomenon. And we could not be more proud and happy with the way the movie is playing out. We're seeing a very broad audience more than female. We're seeing male uh, fans. We're seeing people coming back two and even three times to the cinema. The movie is playing extremely well internationally. And all in all, it's a great launch for our first production out of Mattel Films. We expect to see the impact uh, playing down further down uh, further um, uh, in the second half of the year and expect Barbie to grow for the full year.
6: What, What happened just in terms of sales of Barbie? Are you selling out of stuff right now?
3: Yes, very much so. The movie-related product has been selling out very fast. Uh, we're seeing strong performance at entering into the uh, into the third quarter, and clearly there is a lot of demand and excitement for Barbie out there.
6: Yeah, are you going to be upping production of uh, Barbie stuff for Christmas?
3: Well, we're working very hard to fulfill what we're seeing as increased demand. Uh, Barbie is such a strong brand. It's resonating at a level with of course, uh, uh, haven't seen before. We need to remember that going into this movie, Barbie was already one of the strongest brands in the industry for two years in a row. It was the number one brand uh, in the world, in the toy category. So the brand is already strong. And of course the movie is elevating it to uh, another level.
6: We're looking at this one month chart stocks up 15% I think a lot because of the excitement around this movie it's certainly paid off in terms of the buzz and what you're seeing and probably the halo effect into sales for these things. But the other issue that Mattel's been dealing with and all toy makers have been dealing with is just this idea that people aren't buying as many toys as they were during the pandemic when kids were stuck at home. I know you guys have been dealing with retailers managing their inventory that hit in the first quarter and the second quarter. Do you think you're through that yet? What happens and and, and are we getting back to just a normal demand for toys?
3: Yeah, we do believe that retail inventory, the retail inventory correction is mostly behind us. Our own inventory is down by over $200 million. We have seen softness in the second quarter in the toy industry, but we expect uh, we expect to see increase in a, in a positive holiday season for the toy industry overall.
6: Richard Dixon, who was responsible, or at least credited with the big turnaround for Barbie for your company, uh, it was announced yesterday he's leaving to go be the CEO at Gap. It, it, Is that a huge hit to you guys? How do you you fill in and how do you create the buzz that had been there before?
3: We have a very strong and deep uh, management team with a lot of experience, decades of experience. Lisa McKnight, who was working with Richard and managed Barbie since 2016 and very much part of the transformation as a leader uh, with Richard, uh, is going to run our category structure with our global brands. And Joe Silverman, who uh, came from Disney just less than a year ago, is going to oversee all of the non-toy commercial activities. And of course, together with a very strong team overall, we're very excited by this, this next phase of growth for Mattel. And of course, the Barbie brand coming off a pivotal point with the success of the movie.
6: Yeah, I know that this has been something you've been working on for a long time, this pipeline with Hollywood. This is the first big payoff for it. I, I read that there are 14 potential... Film or film ideas that are in the works at some level or shape or form. I guess I'd, I'd wonder, what did you learn from this Barbie experience and how do you put that into play with other potential films that are out there, whether that be Hot Wheels, Barney, Polly Pocket?
3: Yeah, the, the Barbie movie was really a showcase for the cultural resonance of our brands, our ability to attract and collaborate with top creative talent, and of course the, uh, creative capa- the the promotional and marketing capabilities and our franchise management expertise. And you know, the collaboration with Warner Brothers has been phenomenal. Warner Brothers has done an amazing job from the very beginning. They showed commitment to the project. They brought in their marketing and promotional platform. And together we created something very special, a cultural phenomenon. This was not just about marketing a movie. This is a cultural phenomenon.
6: You know, this movie wasn't targeted at kids. That's the weirdest part about the whole thing. It's getting huge buzz, but that definitely plays out and is is the way you see it in the future. Do you need to bring in older audiences from the PG-13 or will other movies be directed more at the kids who would naturally be your market?
3: Well, we're looking to create unique experiences. We're not looking to take the conventional route or traditional uh, uh, filmmaking. This was always about trying to find a creative approach a unique voice. And of course, what Greta Gerwig created in terms of uh, the the creative execution and her vision of a modern day interpretation for one of the most iconic brands in modern culture is obviously what made the movie so successful. But this is the approach. We're looking to partner with creative talent, support and amplify them, and then bring in our capabilities to market and promote and create events uh, out of these movies, not just for cinema goers, but for culture overall.
6: So what movie is next?
3: Well, we have a few exciting projects in the pipeline. We haven't announced the uh, uh, when they will come out yet, but we have uh, the Hot Wheels project produced by J.J. Abrams uh, and distributed a partner with Warner Brothers, Matchbox with Skydance, Rock'em and Sock'em and Robots with Vin Diesel, Polly Pocket with Lily Collins, Major Matt Mason with Tom Hanks. We have the Barney movie, and a very exciting slate and a very diverse mix offering, different genres, different demographics. And all in all, a very strong portfolio, a very exciting slate of projects that are, uh, are now currently in development.
6: Is it fair to say that Barbie has exceeded your, your high expectations?
3: You know, we always knew that it's going to be a special event. We've said it before, and it's exactly what we were aiming to achieve. I cannot say that every movie will be as successful as Barbie, but we're absolutely looking to apply the same approach, the same creative take, the same, the same collaboration with talent and major studios to create something special. And what is unique in our offering is that the people who buy our product are not just consumers, they are fans. We have an audience. We have an engaged audience with very strong cultural connection with our product, with our brands. And this gives us a unique opportunity to continue to grow our business outside of the toy aisle and expand our entertainment offering.
6: Inon, thank you. Uh, again, congratulations on the success of this to this point. We look forward to seeing what comes next. Inon cries Thank you, Becky. Coming up on Squawk Pod, the unlikely partners
1: in a bipartisan push to ban congressional stock trades. Democrat Senator Kirsten Gillibrand.
5: In the last Congress, there were 3,700 trades that could have violated the prohibitions of trading on non-public information, 3,700. And Republican Senator
1: Josh Hawley.
4: There is no reason why members of Congress should be up here spending their time day trading, trying to make a buck on the stock market when they're supposed to be here to do the people's business.
1: That conversation right after this break. You're listening to Squawk Pod.
0: Welcome back to Squawk Box. Uh, Good morning. We are live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square.
2: Major Ross working along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. Joe. And a bipartisan pair of senators uh, wants to ban U.S. lawmakers, senior executive branch officials, and their families from owning uh, and trading stocks. Uh, The bill from New York Democrat Kirsten Gillibrand and Missouri Republican Josh Hawley would not allow exceptions even for blind trusts. Members of Congress and senior White House officials uh, would be hit with fines if they break the rules, and the law would also beef up 2012's Stop Trading on Congressional Knowledge Act. Joining us now, Senators uh, Gillibrand uh, and Hawley, and welcome uh, to you both, and it's nice to see you uh, together. I'll start with you, Senator uh, Gillibrand. The, The argument is that we don't want total business neophytes in positions of power. That's that's the devil's advocate. That there's actually some benefit to having people that know how to uh, maneuver around the stock market. Um, I guess I guess you don't think that matters in this case.
5: No, no. What we're trying to do is that right now we have a law that requires transparency. Uh, it was called the Stock Act, and if you buy and sell um, stocks and trade, you have to disclose what you're doing because the risk is that a lot of members have access to a great deal of non-public information and the facts show that members of congress have a seventeen percent higher rate of return than the s&p five hundred in their stock trading so that would lend you to think maybe they're super super smart or they have access to non-public information and about one out of seven members of congress did not disclose their trades properly in the last congress so we have a problem here and since congress is not abiding by the rules that we put in place a decade ago I believe and I think uh, Josh shares this view that they should be banned from buying and selling stock because they have so much non-public information.
2: I don't know, Senator Hawley, they could be really, really smart, couldn't they? Uh, You've seen some of the testimony (laughs) we see and the questions that uh, either the House or Senate participants, uh, yeah, maybe that's not what it is. Um, There might be something to this.
4: No, listen, this, this is very simple. There is no reason why members of Congress should be up here spending their time day trading trying to make a buck on the stock market when they're supposed to be here to do the people's business and if you ask people do they think that members of congress ought to be able to trade individual stock they say overwhelmingly no and most are shocked to learn that it's legal most people think that already it is illegal now and should be so listen this should be an easy call it's a common-sense bill and i hope it will get a vote soon
2: what about the the whole idea of of the blind trust what what's the problem there senator dillibrand how do they how does that uh... How do they get around it with a blind trust? Seems like if you had someone managing all your money, you think that they—I don't know—there's some backroom talks going on with uh, with the people in control of the blind trust.
5: Uh, I think that's the view that people don't really believe that these blind trusts would limit members of Congress telling their uh, financial advisor information that they have uh, that the public does not have, and so it's just cleaner to say uh, you can't buy and sell uh, stocks. The only thing you can have is 401ks.
0: How do you uh, approach spouses and other family members in this regard?
5: So it's for spouses and, and um, dependent children. So you can't just sit, tell your spouse, hey, honey, why don't you go buy and sell this one or do it in your four-year-old's name. What if your spouse already works in the industry?
6: they have to quit their job? Go ahead, Josh.
4: No, so spouses who work in the industry and who are advising other people are permitted to advise others, but what they cannot do is buy and sell and trade their own stock. So the member can't do it, the member's spouse can't do it, the member's children can't do it. And this is just about having an across-the-board rule with no loopholes. It's the same reason why we ban blind trusts is that when you start creating these loopholes, it gets way too easy to exploit. And listen, we're all familiar with the news reports of members of Congress whose spouses have traded millions and millions worth of dollars on stock trades that have direct relevance to the legislation the members voting on. But that that's shouldn't I happen, wonder, and this you, bill did closes you lose that
6: support, Did you lose support with voter with votes in the Senate and or the House when you include the spouses? Does your support go from one level that passes oh, it to one that so. doesn't?
4: No, I, I don't I don't think so. I mean, Kirsten could speak to, to her side of the audit. Listen, here's, here's the real truth, is that there are so many people who would rather keep the rules the way they are. As Kirsten pointed out, mo- many members of Congress don't even attempt to comply with the rules. Now, this is why we've got to bring this issue into the public light. We've got to vote on it, and we've got to get people on the record. we have been trying to do it. it. it uh, here's, uh, oh, go ahead, Senator. Here's uh-huh. an example
5: of... Here's an example of volume. In the last Congress, there were 3,700 trades that could have violated um, the prohibitions of trading on non public information. 3,700. So, if we had a more active DOJ to investigate insider trading and hold people accountable by actually doing these investigations, then our transparency law would have worked. But we're not seeing that. We're seeing one in seven um, not disclosing, 3,700 trades that could have violated different requirements. It's not working, so we need to actually ban it. We tried the light touch, it didn't work.
2: It's, uh, we've been trying to do this for a while. It's very strange to see. I think Speaker Pelosi, it seemed like it was gonna happen, and then, uh, I, I don't know, she sort of did not want it to happen. It, if you just look at at face value, it really looks like she thought that maybe her family wouldn't do as well in the stock market. Is that, isn't that isn't there something beyond that? That just seems like too uh too easy to explain it senator hall doesn't is that really what it was all about
4: well listen i think what you've seen is reports of members of congress on both sides of the aisle this is a bipartisan thing where you have members of congress who like to trade stock and they make quite a bit of money on it so listen let's be honest there's a lot of resistance to this among members who want to be able to trade stocks well, who it want is. to be yeah. able to use the information yeah they want to be able to use the information that members get and the fact of the matter is that's unfair, it's a distraction, and it's a potential conflict of interest. Yeah. So this is why we need an across-the-board rule, and by the way, our bill applies to the executive branch also. This is a rule for Congress, it's a rule for the executive branch, it is a consistent rule, and we should pass it now.
5: Yeah. And the bottom line is no one should be coming to Congress to make money off the non-public information that they're getting. That is not what we are here for. We're here to serve the public, we're here to help people, we're here to make a difference. We are not here to get rich. And so this makes sense. 80% of the American public support this. Uh it's a no-brainer, as they say, and I think it's important that we come together, advocate for this. We made the first reform ten years ago with the requirement of disclosure. It's not enough. We've given it 10 years to see if it works. Now it's time to ban stock trades.
2: Senator Gilbrand, if this doesn't go this time, are we supposed to to then just assume uh, at what Senator Hawley just described, that people like to use non-public information to make money, should we assume that's why it's not going to pass? If it doesn't, and, and do you think it is going to? I mean, we tried before; it hasn't happened.
5: No, I'm optimistic. Actually, I think Josh and I are a pretty good team, and I think he can get a lot of Republicans on his side. I can get a lot of Democrats on my side, and together, I think we can get the kind of support that we have to show leadership in both the House and Senate that we could pass the bill.
2: I mean, Senator Hall, you just said it's, it hasn't passed in the past because people like using non-public information to make money in their stock accounts. I mean, that is a that's a pretty serious uh, charge, an indictment of, of the people we've got in the House and the Senate.
4: Well, no, listen, I, I don't think it's an indictment necessarily of their moral character. I just think they like the current system. And what we have to do is make the case that the current system isn't good for the American people. Yeah, well, exactly. That's why we need to change it. So it's not good for the American people. It's not good for conflict of interest. We need to change it. And listen, I think it's hard to explain to the public why you're against this, which is why I'm confident in the end this will pass, because the, the public supports it, the public wants it, and it's the right thing to do. Okay.
0: For the, for the credibility of the markets and for the credibility of, 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 right. of government, actually. It's, this is what we've been talking about for many, many years. Right. And, uh, you know, as strange bedfellows as it may be, right. them together on this is a great thing.
2: Thank you both. And um, we'll see what happens. Thank you. Good, good, good luck. Thank you. Thanks. Good Thanks. luck.
1: That does it for Squawk Pod today. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern to get the smartest takes and analysis from that TV show right into your ears. Follow Squawk Pod wherever you're listening now. Leave us a rating, a review, send us a tweet at squawkcnbc, CNBC, and we'll meet you back here tomorrow.
2: Now we are clear. Thanks, guys.